On this week's episode, we'll talk about issues in the news, more to add to You Can't Make This Stuff Up, recent line of duty deaths, and the next clue in our giveaway. All that and more on this episode of the 1086-108 Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 8 of the 1086-108 Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Lee Alexander. And I'm Matt Taylor. This week, we're going to start with a story out of Livingston Parish, Louisiana. In 2018, a former Livingston Parish deputy, Dennis Perkins, was arrested and charged with 150 counts, including rape, sexual battery, video voyeurism, and production of child pornography, just to name a few. He was busy. It sounds like it. In a surprise turn, just a few days before his trial was set to begin, Perkins chose to plead guilty to second-degree rape, sexual battery of a child under the age of 18, sexual battery of a child under the age of 13, video voyeurism, mingling of harmful substances, and production of child pornography. The plea resulted in him receiving a 100-year sentence and as part of the agreement, he is not eligible for appeal, probation, or parole. But the story doesn't end there. Perkins's wife, Cynthia, was also charged in this case, and she took a plea late last year and received a 41-year sentence for her part. But interesting, it keeps on going. Wow. In addition, Dennis Perkins also had a mistress, a Mel- Melanie Curtin. Say that again. Melanie Curtin. <laughs> All right. She was sentenced in December of 2021 to life in prison without the possibility of parole after being found guilty of aggravated rape and video voyeurism in a 2014 sexual assault of an unconscious woman. Perkins was also charged for that crime. Matt, what was this guy thinking? Uh, yeah, I got nothing. He was <laughs> extremely busy. Was any of this on duty or do we know? It it doesn't state in the story, but, uh, I mean, how much more dirt can you throw on the badge? This guy's pathetic. I mean, he basically covers the full spectrum of everything. Uh, the only thing it doesn't say, he didn't rob a bank. Uh, it, and it's unfortunate that there was um, juveniles involved in this, too. So. Right. Well, it's a shame he only got 100 years. Too bad they couldn't have given him more. Uh, I don't think he'll live that long. Uh, Once he gets in prison, I think the inmates will take care of that. Well, that's hopeful thinking. I guess. All right, let's move on to our next story. This involves the closing of an almost 30-year-old cold case. In 1994, 81-year-old Wilhelmina Filkins was found bludgeoned to death in her home in East Greenbush, New York. In 2019, a tipster contacted police and told them of a story her ex-boyfriend told her about robbing and hitting a lady. On October 1st of 2019, police went to speak to the individual, Jeremiah Guyette, at his home in Rosendale, New York. Guyette became defensive and upset. The next morning, authorities found Guyette in his garage dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. 
As a result, police resubmitted all the collected evidence to the crime lab, and a thumbprint identified as belonging to Guyette was found on the coffee table in Mrs. Filkin's residence. In addition, a relative notified police that on the day of his death, Guyette had called her in a panic and said he didn't want to go to prison and someone had died. The relative had made arrangements for Guyette to meet with an attorney. However, that meeting never took place. Based on the totality of evidence, the case was closed. Now, Matt, the only question I got in this is this case just was announced, cleared on, I think it was the 20th of this month, uh, which is 2023. And they resubmitted the evidence back in 2019. That Now, they, they attributed that to a backlog in uh, evidence because of COVID. That seems like an awful long backlog. But the unfortunate part there... They're submitting evidence to what it sounds like they're submitting evidence to a lab that's not solely supporting law enforcement. It looks like they're supporting a whole bunch of other people. That might be a public lab, you mean, as opposed yeah. to a right. like so I, FDLE's lab or something I like that? I don't know anything about this agency, but uh, that's messed up. If you're going to submit something back, was it in 18? 19. 19, yep. and it's taken an, over two years plus. Yeah, almost four. Wait a minute, I can't count. No, <laughs> you're right. Almost four years. Um, to you to, work in that lab, don't you? What? No. Uh, that's just how many other people could he have killed, and if it, they could have prevented it. Yeah, I, there's just that opens a whole new can of worms about how the choice of lab they've used, or if mm -hmm. that lab is a crime lab, or or Why how the is it they're prioritizing their cases? Why the hell? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know. It's it's an injustice to the system and to law enforcement and to victims. It just sucks. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's not a good thing. Well, the, the good case, or excuse me, the good part about it, the case is they've finally closed it. Um, you talk about the totality of evidence. Um, we mentioned a thumbprint. What else do we have, or do we know? Basically, the only thing the story uh, alluded to was the original. A uh, tip given by the ex-girlfriend mm -hmm. uh, that led to them to speak to him to begin with. Mm -hmm. And then the follow-up by his relative uh, stating that he said he had um, – and that occurred on the day that he killed himself. Um, and he had stated to the relative that he had uh, had done some bad things and somebody had died. And uh, so that was the only evidence that they alluded to in the uh, – into the in the press release. Gotcha. So obviously we hardly know anything about the type of evidence that would link him to the decedent. Mm -hmm. Um other than the thumbprint. We didn't know if is there a history between him and the decedent or no? No, there was one other thing that they mentioned that uh at the time of the homicide in nineteen ninety four, he resided in the same apartment complex as the murder took place. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well so he was it. basically a neighbor. Still, and he was a he was a college kid at the time. I would have a lot of questions still, but that's the article. Yeah, I'm sure they've they've got the information they needed. They just didn't allude to it in the story. I hear you. All right, all right. Let's uh, move on to kind of the one of the necessary evils of what we do on the podcast, and that's when we do our final roll call and we uh, review the line of duty deaths. Um, I don't know whether you want to say luckily 
but it's sadly there's only one line of duty death to report on mm-hmm. um, this week. And uh, that occurred on January 12th. Police officer Carl Kimball of the St. Francisville, Louisiana Police Department died as a result of COVID-19 related issues. Officer Kimball, who was 72 years old, had served with the PD for 10 years, and he had previously retired from the Louisiana Department of Corrections. So here's a guy 72 years out, uh, 72 years old, still out doing the job. He was working in the uh, jail wing of the hospital, and that's apparently how he became exposed to uh, the COVID-19 that uh, ended up causing his death. Um, this was a guy who was obviously was really dedicated to his community and his service. I don't know how long you have to work for a Department of Corrections in Louisiana, but he had served 10 years um, on the police department. But 72 years old and you're still working, that's, bless his heart, man, that's, I don't, nothing but love for that guy, dude. That's right. So let's uh, take a moment of silence uh, in recognition of uh, the loss of Officer Kimball. All right, thank you. Uh, Officer's Kimball service will never be forgotten. All right, Matt. Now, we've had some, you know, requests to share some more cases that we've dealt with. Um, one of the ones that I always that's I always remember, that it was your case, actually, was the, uh, why don't you share the case of the vain lady with our listeners? I think they'll find it very uh, interesting. Matt, she was interesting. <laughs> she truly was. <laughs> Um, the, the story about the van, vain lady, well, you had to throw vain in there. Vain, I, yeah. I get hung up on it. Anyway, um, we had been called out by deputies to investigate a suspicious incident. Um, when we get there, uh, the lady's already gone. She's been transported to the hospital and deputies described to me that, They had received a report of a lady not answering her door and heard moaning on the inside. When they breach the door, um, they find her laying in a puddle of blood. And uh, there was a gun laying next to her and a casing. Uh, So not knowing what all happened, um, they were trying to put the pieces together. And it... Look like at the time, this is what was described to me as the dogs have eaten her face off. So I'm like, they did what? And they said eyelids, nose, lips uh, from her hairline down past her chin from ear to ear was all gone. There was just the the actual skull structure yes. and the eyeballs. No eyeballs. No eyeballs. No eyeballs. That Again, this is what described to me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well. That's got to hurt. Um, so during our investigation, it was determined that she had tried to take her own life and shot herself in the head. Unfortunately, she failed at that and that um, it only submitted her unconscious. Uh, she did sustain some injury, obviously, but um, when she went unconscious, uh, she had two Dotsons. Wasn't a male and a female, right? Yes, it was. That's what I thought. Well, you're going to tell the part about (laughs) the vet. So it appeared that um, the dogs got hungry and decided that they weren't going to wait for her to feed them. So they just started eating. Uh, Unfortunately, it was her face. And that's what resulted to the injuries to her face and the exposure to the skull structure. Right. Right. So that's when the 
our supervisor, yes, uh, took the two dogs to an on-call vet. Right. Well, the reason for that is we were looking for the spent round. Right. Um, where she had shot herself. Right. <laughs> but you're right. Our supervisor at the time was had an odd sense of humor. Yeah. So he takes her, takes him to the vet. There's a male and female dachshund, mm-hmm. and so he tells the clerk at the front desk that this was a sexual battery case and he wanted a rape kit done on the female dachshund. Right. (laughs) And (laughs) the clerk was like, couldn't tell whether or not he was serious or was he just batshit crazy? (laughs) He was a little both. But obviously the purpose of taking the dogs to the vet was to get an x-ray to see if any... Either one of them had this, and that was his sense of humor, right? (laughs) So uh, they they followed through with that, and they did the X ray. Did they locate the? uh, No, that we never did find that spent casing or uh, round round. Uh, But I didn't believe half the story. Um, I one of the deputies had taken a picture, and all I saw was just a lot of blood. Mm -hmm. I didn't see her actual face or anything like that. It wasn't, but about two weeks later, not even that long, maybe it was a week later, um, I get a call from the hospital that she's alleging that she's been sexually assaulted, the same lady. Um, I go to the hospital, and as I'm talking to this lady, um, the hospital provides me a photo of her when they cleaned her up. And literally, from her hairline to past her chin, from ear to ear, there was nothing on this woman's face other than blood. Mm Mm-hmm. I start talking to this lady, and they had already done skin grafts um, for her whole face. They um, closed off one eye, and then um, they had a patch over another eye. So as I'm interviewing this lady, she was in her late 50s. Um, She had told me that her daughters had told her she was starting to look old and ugly. And this response came from an argument that they were having. And I'm sitting there, I'm going like, so just for clarification, why did you shoot yourself? And she admitted to shooting herself. She said, yeah, because I am too beautiful to be crowned old and ugly. And, and she was just making a whole issue about um, how dare they ever talk to her like that. She's beautiful and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wow. Well, it was about that time during this conversation I'm having with this this woman, a nurse comes in and she interrupts. She says, I have to change the dressing on her eye. Can I do that while you guys talk? And I said, by all means. So as we're sitting there talking, uh, she pulls the patch off her eye. She reaches into the eye socket with a, fe- a set of forceps and pulls out a latex glove. <laughs> I am so happy wow. that this lady could not see my face because I was just, I know my mouth dropped wide open and I'm going like, and I even asked her, I said, you feel that? She's like, what? And she now she's pissed off at me right. because I'm just there talking to her. And uh, the nurse takes a new latex glove and douses her eye socket with solution, shoves the gloves back in it, and then closes her eye off. And then the nurse looks at me, and I'm going, and I, apparently I had this look on my face. She goes, Yep, this is what we do. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> now, I've been to autopsies. I've been to everything imaginable. Right. <laughs> but talking to a lady and they're pulling latex gloves out of her eyes. It was a whole new level oh, of. It was, it was, yeah, it just blew me away. So 
that is the story of the vein lady. And uh, I I swore at that point I'd never have small dogs. <laughs> and I also swore I'd never try to kill myself. <laughs> right. Well, and those are, go hand in hand. Especially in front of my Little dogs, dogs <laughs> cause you to kill yourself. Yes, that's what so, yeah, that's that. All right. That's a good story. All right, let's lighten things up with some new additions to You Can't Make This Shit Up file. What do you got, Matt? Well, here's a real mental giant. An individual walks into the Baton Rouge, Louisiana Hotel and asks the clerk for a room. However, the clerk wasn't a clerk. He was a state trooper, and the hotel was actually the state trooper station. (laughs) That's when this idiot got arrested for driving under the influence. (laughs) Whoops! I think I should have noticed the sign. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my hero and here's a, a real test to relationships <laughs> so a woman um, was in Fresno, California when she was stopped at a DUI checkpoint uh, for being sauced okay. we'll just leave it at sauced <laughs> <All right. laughs> however she was extremely helpful and offered up this information it's in quotes. My husband is right behind me, and he's even more drunker than I am. <laughs> I wouldn't want that as a wife. <laughs> no. I wonder if they still are. <laughs> well, they're both in jail. It's not like. I wonder if they let them sit and share a jail cell. And then uh, last but not least, as two men waited in line at a coffee shop to pay their bill, a third man cut in front of them. He threw a drink at the clerk and demanded all the money from the till. Temporarily surprised, the two men quickly recovered and handcuffed this idiot. (laughs) Apparently, he didn't realize that the two guys that he cut in front of were officers in full uniform. (laughs) What the hell? There's the mental giant. Wow. Oh my god you definitely can't make this shit up no wow all right that was some good stuff now i remember a case that we dealt with uh a bank robbery um at a little small bank branch where we had a unique individual um that was the perpetrator of this crime uh how would you refer to him you're talking about powder powder yeah that's it powder this guy was so pale white. He was he an albino, like... I believe. No. He wasn't? No. He... Yeah, I mean, he was that pale. He uh, he had hair that was like uh, brown. So I don't know. He might have been, but he didn't have all the features of an albino person. But, but he was white. Very, very white. Like so you remember what Notebook happened in that paper case, white. Right? You remember what happened in that? <laughs> yeah, so, but tell the story. People want to hear it. So this guy, um, he's like paper white, walks into a bank, and all he has is a hat and a pair of glasses on. Um, he robs the bank, and he flees. Well, during the midst of him fleeing, his getaway car sees law enforcement area and haul ass, so just leave him, right? So he goes and he hides in the woods and our handy dandy canine shows up, searching the woods and they locate him. And if you'll remember, everybody from the sheriff down was at this bank. Right. So that's when I took my car and I drove to the two lots away from the bank and told the canine guy, bring him here so I can interview him. So I'm interviewing this guy and, um, uh, 
he's hot. It's hotter than hell outside. And uh, I say, hey, listen, man, we're in the shade. I said, uh, AC's going for you. You know, it's been a nice guy time. Mm-hmm. And he was whooped. I mean, he'd been sweating and he'd been running and it, it, it would just look pitiful. So we're sitting there talking and I uh, I said, hey, um, you know, I advise him as Miranda. And I said, listen, I said, you match the description of the guy in the bank. <laughs> And he goes, well, look at me. <laughs> Not many people look like me. And I said, are you willing to talk about this? He goes, to be honest with you, I'm going to invoke my Fifth Amendment right. Mm-hmm. I said, that's cool, man. So I turned up the AC, shut the door, um, and waited on another deputy to show up so they can transport him to the jail. And so he's just sitting in my car. <laughs> Here comes the sheriff. <laughs> I told the sheriff as soon as he walked up, I said, hey, sheriff, just for... You know, he invoked. He goes, well, I'm going to make him talk. I said, he invoked. He goes, oh, okay. Goes ahead and starts talking to the guy. <laughs> and I walk away because obviously none of this at this point is admissible. Right. So I walk away because I don't want any part of this conversation. It's my case. <laughs> I just got to deal with whatever happens after this. Right. So um, about five minutes into it, the sheriff turns around. Waves at me, tells me to come back over. He goes, he's talking. I said, we can't talk to him, Sheriff. I've been trying to tell you that. He's going like, why is that? I said, he invoked. The <laughs> sheriff goes, well, when should I have stopped talking to him? And this is where my ass got chewed out. <laughs> because I didn't engage brain before mouth. And I go, about five minutes before you showed the fuck up. <laughs> he looked at me. He goes, what? <laughs> and I, then I told him, I said, I tried to tell you he invoked. He goes, oh, so he, he doesn't want to talk. And I'm going, no, sir, he doesn't. So the sheriff walks away, goes back over to the bank. And when I walked over there after they transported this guy to the jail, I, didn't read it. I, I was going to check with you and a couple other detectives to make sure everybody had been interviewed. And about that time, the lieutenant lost his shit. <laughs> you just told the sheriff that? <laughs> yep. Yep. But the funny part about oh. it, the sheriff thought it was funny. Right. After he's thought about it. <laughs> you know what? He was a good sheriff. In man. the heat I, of the moment. <laughs> I, uh, I hope he enjoys his retirement. <laughs> oh, no. But kidding. he does some funny shit. Wow. <laughs> good times. Good yes. times. All right. Well, you know what? We need to talk about the giveaway. All right. We have to. It's time for the next clue in the series. There's, as the listeners that uh, know, there's going to be three clues. We gave one last week. Mm-hmm. We'll give the second clue this week. The third clue will be next week. And then between that and the following week, People need to email us at 1086108podcasts at gmail.com with their answer. Right. And the first correct answer will be the winner of the prize. Mm. And that uh, prize is a one-year bronze subscription to our Patreon page and an item of your choice from our Teespring page. So make sure you pay attention, you gather up the clues, and you submit that as soon as that episode drops on that Saturday. So Our, what's the clue this week? The clue this week is documented. What? Documented. So documented. Documented. All right. That's the word. That's the clue. That's the clue. 
All right. All right. So there you have it. You have two clues so far. So make sure you keep track of those. So when the third one pops, you'll be ready to provide your answer. All right. The other thing I want to remind everybody is we do have our new website out. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you'd stop by and give it a gander. It's uh, www.1086108podcast.com. And right there from the website, not only can you listen to every one of the episodes as they drop, but you can also uh, see our blog uh, entries uh, right there off the website. So take a look at that. We'd greatly appreciate that. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at our email address at uh, 1086108podcast at gmail.com. We'd really appreciate the input and uh, give us some insight of what you'd like to hear about. You got anything else you want to add this week, Matt? No, I think we covered everything. Um I think this was a jovial, we'll leave it at that, jovial yeah. podcast. Jovial. That's a good, maybe that's the word of the day, jovial. Nah. No? It's nah. not? Okay. You were saying some other words earlier. We, uh, yeah. But we can't say those. Yeah, we air. can't say those on the air, so. <laughs> all right. Well, we appreciate all our listeners, as always, and we look forward to having you back next week. That'll do it for this edition of the 10E6, 10E podcast.